Knock, knock. Stanford. Stanford. Exactly. Go Iron. And welcome to a fantastic victory edition of the HLS Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Ritter. You can call me ND Tex. As always, you can subscribe to this podcast over on Apple Podcasts and wherever you find your podcast feeds at. You can join us live over at twitch.tv slash Sons, where if you're here now live, you can see Shane in his sunglasses, his winning his hard shirt, taking in beer, and oh yeah, you can find us at herlittlesons.com where we're going to be enjoying this one for the remainder of the week. Shane, man, you look like you're living great. How's it going, buddy? Looking forward to the next seven straight reliving Saturday days. Oh, absolutely! Uh, going to be awesome. I'm already. I'm. It's, it's Sunday night, but I, I don't know. I don't give a shit. I didn't notice. <laughs> I tell you what, it was great. Um, even you know, having to do a, a little bit of extra childcare on my end, absolutely fantastic to you know live through that game with Shane. And we we'll, we'll get to this later, but we're just gonna throw it out there. You called it like dead on. Called this shit. Shit's in writing right before kickoff or right at the, right at kickoff. I said, this game ends up 38-17 somehow. Watch. <laughs> and it did. It oh. absolutely did. Uh, but yeah, uh, absolutely fantastic. Had a lot of fun. There are some other games to chit-chat about. We will yep. do that. We will get our due diligence done. But we will spend the majority of this podcast talking Notre Dame, talking Stanford, talking yeah. about how wonderful it was throughout Sunday to read articles all over the nation crowning the Irish in September, which is always dangerous. Yeah. A, a playoff, true playoff contender that proved themselves. But I will enjoy it. And, you know, quite a lot of those articles appeared on The Athletic. There's there's yeah. multiple on the athletic. All of a sudden, they can't be denied. Weird. Yeah, it was fantastic. So if you want to see said things on the athletic, go to herloyalsons.com slash athletic. We'll get you 25% off your first year annual subscription. You know, get the news in there, consume everything because now that everything's rolling, we're gonna the scores that we're gonna pay attention to as we go forward are gonna start having that in mind. The forward more looking stuff. Uh, so the next few weeks should be great as long as they hold true to form. But you know what? Let's just go ahead and get right into it. Let's talk about the other big game that was going on, and thankfully, it didn't get interesting until Notre Dame Stanford concluded, which yeah, was nice. Yeah. I'm glad they they did that favor for us. But uh, this is number four, Ohio State, 27, Penn State, formerly number nine, 26. And it was really, I mean, Penn State looked like they had this one in the bag. They should have had it in the bag. And Franklin decided to turtle up at the oddest time. In the fourth quarter, he punts from uh, Oklahoma State, Ohio State's 42, and then Mm -hmm. After a timeout, has the dumbest fourth and five call I've ever seen of all time. Yeah, uh, I don't. It, it just looked like a, a, an RPO hybrid with a, I, either looking at a bubble screen option or, I mean, one of those two yard dives you get on fourth and short. But it was fourth and five. Like neither of those things were going to work against <laughs> right. Ohio State defense. Yeah, it was it was just piss poor execution idea, and, and the best part was there was a fan that it, very calmly and very yeah. politely, like I was like, man, somebody must have cussed him out because Franklin went off the handle, yeah. and then finally somebody subtitled it was right there next to the fan, so should have passed coach on fourth and five, and and Franklin's like, well, thanks for your feedback, you know, and that I don't, you know, being a dick in that fashion, fine. It was yeah. like, no, no, coach, I love you, but you should have passed. And then Franklin is like having to be restrained. He suddenly snapped. <laughs> he like 
it, it was like WrestleMania. Like, what is he going to do? Come after him? It was like, no, then, I don't know. I don't know. I, want, I wanted to see what would have happened if he had let him go because I would have loved to have seen that struggle of Franklin climbing the rafters to go after a kid. <laughs> yeah, who still, when, when Franklin looked like he was going to take a, the charge at him, he said, I love you, coach. No, no, coach, I love you. So yeah, probably what would have happened, he would have been getting his ass kicked. Like, no, coach, I love you. Why are you doing this to me? <laughs> I feel like Franklin was looking for someone to, like, give him shit. And I guess it's almost like he like he prepared for it. You could almost see it in his eyes because he was walking. First of all, any human adult who walks with their <laughs> arms crossed looks like a fucking idiot <laughs> in Walmart. So he was he was walking already with his arms crossed. You could tell he was like rehearsing. This interaction was probably going to happen because he could hear the crowd feedback at that distance already. So he geared up for something. And then when he saw it was a Penn State fan, he was like, oh, well, fuck, I committed. Here we go. Yeah. It- <laughs> Just the weirdest interaction, and I know it's something I, I didn't get to see the presser, Milfi. I'll, I'll take your word for it. he got close to a Gundy. I'm a man. I'm forty type thing. No, I'm not surprised. Uh, but man, it was it was weird, and I can only imagine. It's like God, if that happened, and that was BK. I mean, we would light his ass up on this show. Yep, I, I made the joke. I wonder what the Pendy Nation crowd has to say about that. <laughs> oh man. Well, I mean. Look, Ohio State did what they needed to do. They hung on just enough. Haskins looked a little bit mortal for a little while, uh, but they just they hung around and Penn State blinked first. They blinked harder. And now all of a sudden you have a a very heartbreaking loss that really shouldn't have been that way. Yeah, I mean, it it, it basically um, it doesn't do anything to clear up the Big Ten picture. Uh, At this point, it makes Franklin look weird. Um, It's it's, you know, like right when you get it's weird because like John, he just can't. James Franklin just can't he just can't accept being a good coach. He's got to he's always got to sprinkle some weird shit on top. You know, so it's like right when you get to that rhythm of respecting him, here's a new reason why you look at him sideways. You know, like that's just the the feel. I don't know. The Penn yeah. State's weird. Yeah, it was it was very weird. All right. Well, let's get to another weird situation because everybody had a hot take for this one. And that's really the storyline for this. Now, Syracuse, which kind of sucks because Syracuse was really taking it to Clemson for most of this game. Uh, yeah. They led the majority of the game and Clemson, their defense finally got used to it. They finally shaped up. They warmed down. But the big storyline in this one was Trevor Lawrence gets knocked out with what had to have been a concussion because dude just got drilled straight in the head as he was trying yeah. to die for the sticks. And now all of a sudden, Chase Bryce is having to come in. And of course, everybody's like, well, Kelly Bryant should have never have left his team. Uh, of course. Yeah, all those it's, dumbass it's, hot takes were, it's, were it flying. Is, it is, you have to admit the, poets, the, the poetry of instant karma, though, right? Like the, that weirdness of the sport, basically. It's almost like the, the football god said, oh, man, this, this transfer rule has a lot of potential weird shit that could happen, and immediately throws Exhibit A at you. Yeah, and in and, and the biggest fashion possible, the only way this could have been on a bigger stage is if they had actually been playing a, an opponent that was ranked as well. Uh, but really, I mean, here's here's the thing about these takes that drives me insane. It's like, so what happens if Brian stays? He stays. He ends up getting subbed into that game. Bye bye red shirt year. Bye bye grad transfer. That's done. And yeah. you know that helps him nothing because he's going to get replaced. He's going to get replaced again. You yeah. know, and and sure, it sounds like a great old. Oh well, you know, you were there for your team. That's that's cool no. and all. I get that, but dude's not getting paid. If he really wanted to do that, it's kind of his choice if he wants to stick around with his teammates because he's trying to actually make a career out of this. He believes he can make a career out of it. Uh, So he's going to take his last shot. He only has so much of a window to prove himself and playing in game five for a little while and backup duty and then finding his ass on the bench for game six or game seven. If Lawrence is out even further is probably not the best way that he can get that kind of, uh, you know, pro little pro highlight reel going there. Yeah, I, I think about Jesse Palmer. Jesse Palmer uh, provided an anecdote when Kelly Bryant announced that he was going to transfer about how when he was quarterback at Florida, he uh, w- was already a senior and got usurped in week five by a really talented freshman by the name of Rex Grossman um, and decided to stay. Now, he said it was because that was his feeling about his duty that he felt the need to essentially provide guidance to the next guy and be part of the team because he had been the leader up to that point. He didn't have the option to consider maybe I should transfer in the middle of the fucking year. And he said as much, if I had considered the, if I had the option, I would have absolutely transferred because yes, I still wanted to to help the team, but I wanted to go pro. He said, I, he said, I got lucky. I ended up going drafted in the fourth round, but 
ultimately, if I had had an option to play an, ex- an extra entire year after playing four games and getting benched, he absolutely would have done it. So to me, it makes sense. The, the, this situation does not erase the validity of Kelly Bryant's decision. Yeah, a- absolutely. It, it was just amazing to see. Uh, it, it's not like I should be surprised, but it was really the one standout story from this. Well, one of, I mean, Chase Bryce came in and, and basically drove the bus, and that bus was uh, the <laughs> Travis Etienne, who had yeah. 27 carries for 203 yards and three touchdowns, and it became, you know, it's like Syracuse doesn't have a good defense. Let's You don't have to do a bunch of crazy quarterback play. Just wear them down physically, and, and that's exactly what Clemson did. Uh, but, you know, good good show by Syracuse. They put in uh, the fear of God into them. They tried. They tried. I did. I mean, I knew the cover. I mean, there was a 22-point spread. I was like, there's no fucking shots. Syracuse beat him last year, but uh, it, it it turned out to be a different story. But Syracuse definitely gave him a game. Absolutely. Well, I tell you what, this ranked matchup, or well, Texas Tech ain't ranked anymore. You'll see the the little top twenty five scrolling down here. They are no longer there. Uh, but number thirteen, West Virginia came in forty two to thirty four, beats Texas Tech at home. And I tell you what, more than anything, you know, one Wilger had a great game. 27 yep. for 41, 370 yards, three touchdowns. But this, Shane, was also a great gambling moment for me. <laughs> <laughs> was it, Mal? It was. I was on the over in this one, and the over uh, was uh, like 74 or something like that. It was a very, very large number, but I'm like, you know, Tech showed me enough. I think it'll hit this. And, yeah. you know, Robbie Callen was on the under and just about everybody. Eddie was on the under as well. So what yeah. happened at the end of this game, West Virginia has it in the back. It is it is ball game. Texas Tech is just trying to get some a junk touchdown to maybe tie it up and, and have a prayer. They mm-hmm. throw an interception. And instead of falling on the ground, my yeah. beautiful, beautiful boy on West Virginia takes it to the house for a pick six. Your what? beautiful, beautiful boy, yeah. who is a grad transfer from Michigan, your boy <laughs> hey, Washington. <laughs> hey, you know what? He he got me paid because yeah. it wasn't just that. Then I'm like, oh, now it's a 14-point lead. They're definitely going to give up a junk-ass score here. And not only did they give it up, they gave it up by giving up a gigantic kickoff return that went yes. into plus territory. <laughs> Yeah, it was a nightmare scenario for anybody on the under. I was cackling because I put a very, very dumb big bet on this and I should have paid for it. But instead, I got paid on it. (laughs) Yeah, I I laughed at this over under thinking, man, so many people are going to be fucked because they think these defenses actually matter. (laughs) Yeah. But the thing was, West Virginia, who that's been the one concern Now, now back to the serious analysis was their defense and they look just fine. Well, look, I'll tell you what, in, in terms of West Virginia, their defense actually seemed to be showing more signs of life than their offense just because Will Gray had been inconsistent. But this was the most efficient first quarter of football I've ever seen out of West Virginia. I mean, they, it was 28 to, to, to 7 after one quarter. Will Greer alone had already accounted for over 250 yards of offense at that point. But then, of course, West Virginia did the classic Big 12 thing where they're like, well, we have this great league. Why play anymore? And then Texas Tech is, um, uh, well, we'd like to play, so thank you. And then, of course, they came roaring back, and then West Virginia had to you know, stamp it down on the defense, which actually showed up in the fourth quarter. But, yeah, I mean, West Virginia looked complete at times, but they had that weird valley in the middle of the game where Texas Tech basically dominated the beginning of the second quarter all the way up to halfway through the fourth. Um, the Big 12 is weird. Yeah, it is weird, and I think is going to be the most exciting, you know, potentially, depending on how everything shakes out, because we really don't know who the lead horse is going to be yet. We got the Red River shootout coming up this weekend. Uh, We'll Mm -hmm. talk about one of the teams involved in there a little bit later, Uh, but West Virginia definitely staking their claim as well. Texas Tech kind of stuck theirs when they upset Oklahoma State. Now they're kind of kicked back out, so we'll see where that little round-robin carousel uh, gets off at. Well, you were talking about very efficient offensive uh, performances. Uh, This game would be the exact opposite of that and that was number oh. 14 Michigan coming into Northwestern and just scraping by 20 to 17 and they trailed as much at by 17 to 0 it was 17 7 at the half and then they win the second half basically it was 13 nothing in the second half score 13 unanswered Karen Higdon 30 carries 115 yards two touchdowns basically saved Michigan's ass there they look like complete ass in the first half it was god awful to watch 
Is there anything more Big Ten than a ranked road team coming into an unranked shit garbage home team? (laughs) That lost to Akron. Let's not forget that. That lost to Akron and then literally going down 17 to nothing and then scoring 20 unanswered to win. Like, that's the most Big Ten shit I've ever heard in my life. Like, this conference... They don't understand. They don't believe in having a respectable team that isn't Ohio State. They just don't. They don't care. Well, and Michigan doesn't believe in playing football outside the big house. Apparently, no. First of all, Michigan. I don't understand. I, I get that Bill's system, and I oh, Bill Connolly is one of my most revered analysts in this in this entire game. In fact, if I if I could ever one day work for someone like him, because I work in the same field in terms of SQL and data. I respect him, but I, the fact that the, that Michigan continues to remain ranked in the S and P plus over Notre Dame and really in the top five consistently to me just feels fraudulent. I don't see it. I mean, they don't, I mean, this is where the, the eye test comes in. They don't pass it ever. Like even when they're smoking shitbag opponents at home, <laughs> you actually watch them play. And it's like, I mean, but they, they wouldn't get away with that anywhere in, in the really in power five, you know? So it's just, it's just weird to watch Michigan play football and consistently just be this clear disappointment and fraudulent shell of what they supposedly are. But you know what? It is the perfect way to honor Bo Schembechler. So, you know, and and I noticed this as well. And tell me if you've noticed this, Shane, because Jim Harbaugh appears to be the only really modern day head coach. I will just throw it out there because I haven't seen this in the pros either. That actually has some poor son of a bitch holding excess wire back there because he is hardwired in in his headset. He doesn't have the wireless pack like everybody else does. That motherfucker's got to be paranoid that somebody can listen into him. Yeah, they must have like a guy on the other side, like doing a Morse code. <laughs> it, it, I, I don't know. I, Harbaugh's weird, man. Like, who, for all we know, he's got like a radio headset that only worked in a, a Japanese fighter pilot from fucking World War Two or some shit. <laughs> who knows? You know, but but yeah, he does weird bullshit. I, I, I hadn't noticed until you. Until you pointed it out, but I, I'll, now I know what to keep an eye out for. Yeah, and, and I feel bad for it because just, you know, manager type stuff. There was somebody assigned uh, for the cords in every game, but the cords were the backup in case the wireless system went down. So nobody was expected to actually have to do it. But if you were on the field as a manager, they would have whoever had the headsets on there. There was a manager assigned as the backup. And if it went down, we knew where the cords were to go run and hook them back in so they could get the communications up. In this case, it's 24 seven for Harbaugh. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, After he does his warm ups, you know. Yeah, his morning milk and steak. <laughs> oh, man. Okay. Hourly diaper change. Go on. So, yeah, Milfy, that's I like Milfy's theory. He coached against Belichick before, so <laughs> he, <laughs> knows, he knows people could be watching. <laughs> All right. Well, um, I think it's time to stop mentioning Kentucky might be good and say they're definitely good. And they, yep. they don't play a necessarily sexy brand of football, uh, but Benny Snell Jr., their running back, is yeah. – I mean, basically, it's he is the offense. He is going to pound the rock. The defense is going to be good enough to contain their opponent. And, you know, Snell, 28 carries, 99 yards, one touchdown. Not exactly blow you away stats, but it gets the job done here. And uh, they were in 17. They move up a couple spots this week. Uh, 24 to 10 is your final over South Carolina. And I tell you what, with the beyond Georgia, the SEC East is kind of crazy right now. And Kentucky's taking a claim. Yeah, um, you know, so Benny Snell gets a lot of the fanfare because he's kind of the camera dude. You know, he's the, he's the guy, he's the post-game player always that always does the same interview with, I think, a Kali Rowe or some shit. I don't know. Um, but the truth is, what what shines about Kentucky is their defense. Their defense is fucking astonishing. Mm-hmm. I mean, honestly, it's weird to watch a Kentucky team have such an incredibly effective and kind of smothering defense. I mean, South Carolina, yeah, I mean, I'm not sure if you guys were paying attention, but about three weeks ago, South Carolina dismantled Vanderbilt, the same Vanderbilt team that kind of had been giving opponents fits up to the point that they played South Carolina the week after Notre Dame. Kentucky essentially destroyed the opponent that, that did that to Vanderbilt. And at this point, what, the, what Kentucky's saying is, in the SEC East, there's clearly going to always be that tier of teams that are had their shit together this year and teams that just still don't have their shit together because that's what the SEC East is. Hey, Tennessee, Kentucky, how you doing? <laughs> yeah, and Kentucky is basically saying like, hey, Georgia, we see you. You have to notice us because we're coming. Yeah, so that all of a sudden that's going to be an interesting game out of nowhere. Yeah, yeah all it's right. going to be amazing, actually. 
All right, let's run through a, a few more in quick hit territory. Uh, like yep. I said, we were going to talk a little bit about one team in the Red River Shootout. That is Texas. And I, I hope for their sake this was just a look ahead because 19-14 to 14 is not what you should be doing against a Kansas State team that I am shocked kept it this close because that Kansas State team is absolute garbage. I mean, Texas basically, well, there was 19 nothing of the half. Yes, and, all and then they stopped playing. <laughs> they just stopped fucking playing. And, of course, somebody over here bet the Texas cover at six and a half fucking points, so they just shit the bed. I, I, I don't know, man. I, I, it's See, this is what happens, man. I don't understand if it's Tom Herman. And honestly, I, I was going to say if it is, it is Tom Herman. It's the same shit happened at Houston. When the team is expected to not really do jack shit, Tom Herman's defenses <laughs> just play out of their fucking minds. And when they come in favored... Tom Herman's defenses take a giant shit all over the field. It's it's the same exact thing. So Texas plays up to their point. They're clearly dominating the fuck out of their opponent, and then just stop. They just stopped caring. They clearly became complacent. They went right back to that Tom that Tom Herman. I installed TVs and bling, and and all this bullshit for your attention. That 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 garbage swag that they always played with that they didn't earn. And then here you go. Kansas State comes back and scores fourteen unanswered. Ridiculous. Yeah, uh, yeah, and you know I thought that was going to be an easy cover for Texas just because of how assy Kansas State is. But ooh, it could get ugly. It could get ugly here in the the state fair. All right. Yeah. Uh, Notre Dame's next opponent, Virginia Tech, uh, showed up on the road against Duke in a big way. Um, Ryan Willis, uh, uh, oh, God, I'm already for forgetting his name. Uh, he's the backup coming in. Uh, oh, Josh Jackson? Yes, Josh Jackson. I was like, it's JJ, but I had like every other wrong J name flying through my head at that exact moment, and I realized I didn't write it down like an idiot. But anyway, he seems to be just fine, only going 17 for 27 for 322 yards, or 332 yards, excuse me, and three touchdowns. Um, and Virginia Tech sneaks back into the top 25 for the matchup in Blacksburg. Now, Virginia Tech hasn't looked... Absolutely fantastic. Of course, there was that old Dominion upset as well, but uh, that's one way to bounce back is to, to, and they haven't, they lost on the road to old Dominion. We should remember that. So I think it's to go back home with a chance to knock the Irish off their playoff crown pedestal here. So this was one that uh, raised my eyebrows when I saw this score. I feel like I have to say, or I, I, at least I feel like Notre Dame got lucky that we didn't get Virginia Tech this week because Virginia Tech came in this week essentially ready to release all their frustrations that fucked up last week. Yep, so that's I, very I, true. I mean, Duke had been kind of smoking their opponents up to this point. They, they were undefeated. And Virginia Tech basically had a frustration game against, against Duke and just basically said, Bud Foster's defense isn't gone. I promise you. <laughs> Let me show you. Even though we, our top uh, pass rusher is gone, the defense is still there. Yeah, man. They, I mean, Dan, uh, Daniel O'Brien, uh, Daniel Daniel Jones had come back, uh, you know, from injury. First of all, miraculously, within 21 days of breaking his fucking clavicle, he's back on the field. It's insane. Um, yeah, but you know, that was he was the leader of their offense, and Virginia Tech basically said, like, we don't care who you are, we're going to murder you because we have problems to get rid of right now. <laughs> um, and and that's why I feel good that this happened. Now, it doesn't take away from the fact that it's going to be in Blacksburg. Virginia Tech is going to be riding a little bit of confidence that they gained from beating a previously ranked opponent, a clear ACC superior at this point in Duke. Um, but I still feel good about this game. We'll talk more about the preview, but there's just something, there's still something off about this Virginia Tech team. You know what I mean? Like you can just still tell, not just the backup, it's just in general, they're not vibing. Right, right. All right. I'm looking forward to that preview then. I can't, I can't come soon enough. I'm jazzed. All right, well, uh, Florida beats Mississippi State in an SEC Classic, thirteen to six, and just just so you know, Florida is four and one with their only loss to Kentucky, so yeah. that should raise some eyebrows. And the other notable thing here is Mississippi State got to welcome their old coach back home because he beat their ass in this one. Yeah, so I call this cover in by this the simple fact that Dan Mullen was coming back to the team that he just coached for the last fucking nine fucking years. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> duh. He's going to know what they want to do a little bit. You know, <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, but um, Florida's see, Florida's better than they're giving credit. I think Florida was written off when Kentucky kind of mopped the floor with them because nobody was really expecting or knew what to understand from Kentucky at the time. So I think we, 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 we skipped a chapter in history from, for, for like from one, one week to the middle to the next, where now we, we, we looked at Florida and said, well, Mississippi State will at least rebound and they'll, they'll get their shit together. But the fact of the matter is, uh, Nick Fitzgerald, um, you know, it's kind of sell, sell, sell on Nick right now. Um, and Joe Moorhead, he, he, he's more, 
he's gonna he's doing more for their defense than he's doing for their offense. Mississippi State's defense is in the top ten, their offense is in the eighties right now. So you, you can see that Dan Mullen, I think, had a, had at least an edge there. I'm not surprised this happened, but yeah, not not a good look for either for for Mississippi State right now. No, I mean, talk about a fall from grace out in the top twenty five. Yeah. All right. So we're only mentioning this game, not because it was any kind of good. Uh, this no. is the opposite of a great gambling moment because yeah. the the total was going to push here. Louisville Louisville had this this wrapped up twenty four to twenty one. For some, I I have no idea what Petrina was smoking on the sideline, but he decides on first down while running out the clock to pass the ball. Florida State picks it off. And because when you're that dumb, the college football gods will give you your karmatic loss. This wasn't third down trying to just win the damn ball game. This was I don't know what the hell is going on. This was please fire me. Basically. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, Petrino, I mean, you have to imagine at this point, right? I mean, Petrino, it's evident. The only reason why his team was relevant was because of Lamar Jackson, right? Bobby Petrino doesn't seem to be worth a jack shit at this point to anybody. I mean, he's no longer making relevant coaching decisions. I mean, when you when you choose to pass the ball with the fucking lead and (laughs) an obvious opportunity to run the clock, it's almost like he's fucking it's almost like he's it's rigged. I don't know, like in boxing, someone would would scream fixed, you know? (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. It it was it was absolutely stupid. I couldn't believe he did that. It was all but a win. But, you know, I I mean, good for Florida State, I guess. They get the little pat in the back win, but they had no business winning this game. They were down 21 to 7. They looked ridiculous. Yeah, and I'm just looking at like, oh, because Louisville came out to a very quick 3TD start in this Mm -hmm. one. So I'm like, ah, hell, I absolutely lost the the under in this one. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, everybody slowed down. Everybody remembered they're a garbage football team. And then that bullshit happened. Yep. Not great. All right. Well, that brings us to Notre Dame and Stanford. Yeah, bitch. 38 to 17, your final. Notre Dame rising up almost in the top five. They rise up a couple spots, number six now in the nation. And mm-hmm. Stanford plummeting <laughs> the biggest drop in the top 25. They dropped seven spots down to 14, if I remember correctly off the top of my head. The little ticker will correct me if I'm wrong. But I tell you what, this game was one of those to where if you are able to complain about anything, you just may need to stop watching football because this is the most complete that Notre Dame has looked in any game that I can remember. For yeah. me, this is even bigger than uh, the the 2012 victory on the road at Oklahoma. I mean, I would agree. It's just it it was the matter that they did it uh, because they beat Oklahoma pretty solidly. I mean, on the scoreboard, they beat them in this Mm -hmm. one. This was just a complete trashing of Stanford. Birchie got to do the uh, SID equivalent of tweeting porn because all all he's able to do is just keep firing out these absolutely freaking absurd stats. And Notre Dame was able to pull off. Yeah. I mean, in in the fourth quarter, negative net yardage for Stanford. They only had, if I remember off the top of my head, 26 yards yeah. <laughs> in the in the entire half. Notre Dame, and I, and I should bring up the the uh, little stat sheet here as well. Notre Dame, if you take a look at that, they had 55 rushing plays. Stanford's rushing yards, 55. Now, yes, Bryce Love did have more rushing yards than that on his own. Sacks come into play on this, but still, this is absolutely hilarious. I'm just, I mean, <laughs> total yards, 229. Like, mm. you know you fucked up, right? Like, when you, when your final is in the two-somethings, you clearly fucked up. Absolutely. That means your rushing yards at least are in the d- double digits only. And, I mean, your passing yards are, are, are laughable. And you can expect, realistically, some turnovers. Look, Notre Dame played the... Best game, I think, of Brian Kelly's era. And we always have this debate. I mean, it's a very close debate, I would say, right now with the last, last year's USC game, right? The 49-14 dismantling. Um, it just it, it feels different, obviously, because USC was in a different position at the time. Um, Notre Dame was playing, I guess, you know, just kind of learning what they had in Brandon Wimbush. So, like, it still felt great, but it was all kind of new. This time, you know, we knew what we were getting with Stanford, we had already seen that Ian Book was going to be the answer. We just needed confirmation. 
And not only did we get confirmation, we got basically like, you know, essentially the train is leaving to the national championship. Who the fuck wants to get on? Let's go. You yeah. know what I mean? And, and, and now you got people punching tickets left and right because now it's not the proof isn't in the stats. The proof isn't in the potential. The proof is in the fucking pudding. Like now you can see it. Yeah, they, there's there's eye tests all over this, and it, it wasn't even close. And, and the biggest thing, at least for me, Shane, when comparing this to the SC, just absolute drilling that happened there was the fact that SC shot themselves in the foot repeatedly. A lot. And, and in this case, there was only one turnover for Stanford, and yeah. which was you know, and KJ Costello had been flirting with disaster all game long. It was only a matter of time before it happened. And at the point where it happened, it didn't even fucking matter at that point because Notre Dame was still very much in the driver's seat for that yeah. one. Um, so that that's for me what the biggest thing was is that not only did they dominate, they dominated without the opponent shooting themselves in the foot. They dominated strength against strength, which is something that we haven't seen from an Irish team. Usually when they're facing another team's strength, they try to adjust around it and and try to, you know, find a way to win because they can't go straight through the wall. They're just going to try to climb over to walk around it. This mm -hmm. time, Dexter Williams just said, give me the fucking football. I've been sitting on the bench for four games and His he first fucking touch first touch. He's gone. And, and yeah. Dex in this one, I mean, just. Absolutely absurd. He's obviously going to be the feature back right now. I apologize for flipping back here. I, I forgot the stat line for him, which is on the notes for this slide. Uh, mm -hmm. It is. Uh, he had 21 carries, 161 yards, and the TD on that aforementioned handoff. Boykin had a career day, 11 receptions, 144, one touchdown. Book, 34 for, <laughs> 24 for 33, 278 yards, four touchdowns, and even got 47 rushing yards in this one. Just absolutely fantastic. Yeah, Book had about as... I mean, at this point, you know, in two fucking games, he, he's pretty much eliminated doubt. I mean, there really isn't... I don't... There's nothing else to, to wonder. I mean, in his first games, he, he what? He threw five touchdowns to four interceptions. And in his past two games, he's got six touchdowns to no interceptions. Um, to throw for four touchdowns, no turnovers over 250 yards and essentially complete what is that over 70 percent of your passes i mean th that's against a, a top 10 team at night at home where notre dame has always been curiously like lackluster and not have that fucking stupid weird home midfield advantage edge whatever that mythical thing is that i've never seen ever and don't understand how it exists right um for him to do that at his, in his second start, well, his, his third is really his second formal start, uh, if you want to call it like that this season. I mean, I don't. I, the, the the potential is is ridiculous. I, I feel like I can't I can't see another team on this schedule really making it one of those games. that's like, oh shit, I'm terrified. Right, and and one thing, and it was pointed out in the the chat as well by uh, Gerbs Irish. Uh, mm -hmm. was the injury to Alex Bars. Uh, yes, right Bars. now, it is feared to be an ACL-MCL tear. And honestly, yeah. the way he went down and the way he was walking around and and just continuously limping, you could yeah. tell it, it was done. So he, he is probably out for the season, which is a gigantic loss for Notre Dame. Yeah. Do not know the severity for Jones Jr. and his ankle injury at this point. Drew Tranquil was playing through with a broken hand. Didn't seem to affect him one iota. Jafar Armstrong is going to be out for a few weeks, but here's the other difference that I think is meant to mention. Now, bars, there's still a lot to be seen because yeah. by the time he got hurt, Notre Dame was in the driver's seat. Stanford would just wasn't able to bring it. So we're going to have to see what happens later on down the road as we have to fill in for him. But every other position that we were mentioning beforehand, there is now depth all up and down this yeah. defense, to, uh, this defense and this offense to where if an injury happens now, bars is still a holy shit. That's not good, but it doesn't feel as like it's all falling apart. It's going to go, you know, to hell. Like even when Khalid Kareem had to step off the field for a short amount of time, I was like, which by the way, he's had to do that. Like every game. Have you noticed that? He's I have. Had, like, and he always scares the shit out of me. Every it's single time. It's always fucking terrifying. Every time. Okay, anyway. <laughs> But uh, it's and that's that's one of the crazy things. And if you think back when Notre Dame got the break speed off of them against Alabama, and I'm not going to say that Notre Dame and Alabama are on the same level right now, because that's a whole other murder train that okay. we're talking about now. But 
everybody was very confused that the thing that everybody came away with was depth. They kept repeating it was just a, a depth thing. And it got repeated in November. It's like, we, we, you know, we're not able to do the, the reps we want. We don't have the right depth. And everyone's like, what the fuck are you talking about? This sounds like the dumbest excuse ever. But when you yeah. start seeing it in the field and you start seeing replacements able to come in and you truly have a next man in, which is not, hey, next man in, give it your best. It's next man in. He's still going to make an impact right now. I mean, it's absolutely insane. And and think about this. We all kind of freaked out before the game started that Jafar Armstrong was out with an injury. Just just yeah. think about it from this perspective. We were like, that really sucks that our converted wide receiver to a running back that is now the starting running back because the likely feature back was suspended for four games for mysterious reasons. And now we're like, oh, yeah. shit, what's going to happen now? And, De- and Dex was like, when Jones Jr. went down, I got you. I got you. And then he just freaking tears it apart. He's dragging runners. He's not this finesse back anymore. He even no. threw some pass blocks. He did. <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> yeah. 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 And Melfi's right. It's funny what happens when you recruit in the top 15 year after year after year. It, it, yeah. I know everybody is, uh, got frustrated how long it took BK to uh, kind of get with it and figure it out. But Notre Dame is in such a weird, unique position in college football and they really had to revamp and reinvent themselves. BK completely had to reinvent himself in the past couple of years that we're really starting to see the fruits of that labor. The conditioning looks a hell of a lot better. I mean, when is the last time you can remember Notre Dame looking like they just got Tillery got started in the fourth quarter? And it was obvious that he was in good, good enough shape and the offensive line was fucked. <laughs> yeah, I mean that you can see that Baylor shit's really coming through in that second year of his program. Like Tillery was not like it was it was like the, the start of the game. It was like the first quarter. He he basically clicked on when he saw that they were gassed and he, he basically saw he he smelled blood in the water and just went for it. Four four fucking sacks in one game. Yeah, and that, that's usually how Stanford wears people down. It's you have all these big receivers, these big tight ends, and yeah. after Isaiah Whiteside had that one box out touchdown that Flutie, I think, had an orgasm over in the booth. Yeah, he never heard his name again because Julian that's Love it. is like, okay, we're all right. I you got me there. I I, you ain't yeah, gonna get me again. And yeah. he just he took him out of the game completely. Yeah. Costello just wasn't able to look his way. And to do that against a big body for four quarters is absurd. And that's how these big receivers would always end up open because if you weren't knocking them around at the line and staying on them and glued to them, they were going to get loose. And Stanford still got loose on a few of them, but Notre Dame kept those few and far between. And that was yeah. the other sign that this is different. Stanford was good enough to have their offense get the only offense to get big chunk plays against Notre Dame thus far. One of them being Bryce Love, but you also had a couple of very long receptions, including uh, in the NCAA sim, the one that could juice everybody. Osiris St. Brown had one reception, but it was like yeah. a 30 plus yarder as well. Yeah. So, yeah, they, they had that. And like Milfie's pointing out in the chat, so many passes were defended and that my favorite pass defense the entire game was Drew Tranquil, Drew Tranquil. <laughs> sitting on like the weak side of the line and then noticing that there's an outlet off to the flat. And he just runs there. He knows he probably got there faster than he realized because he had yeah. time to set and knew he was going to hit him because yeah. he probably could have jumped that route and taken he it to the house. Have. He absolutely sat underneath it. But, dude, it didn't matter because it's just he's like, OK, I'm just going to hit him as soon as he touches this ball. That he poor son of a bitch got killed. <laughs> he made that motherfucker pay. Right, that, that may or may not be in the highlight reel. Just just so you know. But God, first of all, Drew Tranquil committed like seven felonies on that field. Like, <laughs> like he uh, he was everywhere. Like he you could tell he was feeling it. He was really he was very much ready to beat the shit out of Stanford. Yeah, and that's Ashmir Bilal too. Good yeah. grief! I and this is where I feel like I was very nervous. I was the only one that had him in the top twenty-five preseason for the Irish players. Now I'm starting to look like a genius on that one, but. Yeah, he's everywhere. He's everywhere. He's, I mean, it, it was really interesting to me because when Love got that, he got not only that touchdown, but he had a few other runs out um, when he got outside the tackle box that you could tell that they weren't used to the speed yet. Bilal took some weird angles. Even yeah. Gilman took some weird angles. It was like everybody was a step behind. And then as the yeah. game got going and like the third or fourth drive, it's like, okay, now we know where we're going. We're shooting the gap and we're hitting our angles perfectly. Because, I mean, 
it's as much as I don't like seeing people go down because of injury. Love ended up going out because he was just getting smashed every time he got the ball after a while. I mean, he got hunted down across the formation from the backside blitzing linebacker that hunted him down from behind. And he never even made it to the line of scrimmage. And I mean, at that point, you could tell he got rolled up. But at that point, basically, it was it was time for Bryce to get out of the game because it was only going to get worse. Yeah. Um, but it's it just it's just one of those things where it's almost, it still feels a little surreal, man. Like Notre Dame has. I don't think I've, I, I can remember Notre Dame looking this utterly dominant. Like I just I'm sure I've seen it in my lifetime. I'm sure some point during the Weiss era, the. The offense was offset by a mediocre defense, but somebody looked great in some in some fashion. But I just can't remember something this impactful and this across the board uniformly impressive. Yeah, because I mean, we're barely even talking about the offense at this point. Mm-hmm. I mean, <laughs> we're yeah. It, it's, yeah. it's almost like a footnote. And and I said it before, and this was before book started. Hey, we're we're LSU North at this point. You get mediocre quarterback play and offense play. You got a good running attack and a badass defense. Now this looks like a complete team. And my favorite part of the stats that we haven't talked about yet is the red zone because Stanford got in there once, yeah, but only once and they got a touchdown and then Notre Dame went four for five. I was like, when I saw that, I was like, wait a second. When did they miss? Exactly. I was like, when did they miss? So there was three touchdowns and a field goal. And then as I looked down the drive chart, they kneeled the ball on the Stanford 16 at the end of the game. Yeah, they could have scored very easily. <laughs> yeah, but but it was over at that point, and Shaw was done, and and he's having the first question of what was the most disappointing thing about the offense. Don't have an answer. Next question, <laughs> which is basically all of it, <laughs> everything. Yeah, uh, I mean, it was it was, it was abs- so great to see this kind of domination to see Notre Dame. You know, they didn't out Stanford, Stanford, but they beat them physically in both trenches. Um. Yeah, and Skirbiver said it's funny now that we don't hear about the blue zone and the white zone. I think the yeah. only time we mention that now is in the sim is a joke, and that's about it. Pretty much. <laughs> that's the yeah, last we'll time I've heard it. That's about it. <laughs> um. And and really the. I am unbelievably excited. I'm still trying to temper expectations because I'm not sleeping on Virginia Tech at all. No, never. No, they, they warned. They basically fired a warning shot at Notre Dame by saying, "Listen, we haven't gone anywhere." So just pay attention. Yeah, and that is uh, not only a true road game, that is one yeah. hell of an environment to play in. So it's also one to where that book is completely untested in such an environment as well. So, true, And you can true. see he had a little bit of jitters as well. It took him a little while to get going. took a little while for the offense to really start clicking. But, man, once they did, it's – it, the bet and the other thing is like here's how comfortable Ian Book is now because he had an absolute fuck you third down conversion where he's just kind of scrambling for his life and very casually just shovels and flicks the ball, licks it <laughs> just just <laughs> not only does he do that but he hits his running back in stride yeah. and gets a first down. He, he hits Jameer Smith like oh here you go buddy you got that just I just want to I'm not I throw it out but I don't feel like you just hold that there you go. <laughs> Amazing. Uh, yeah, and he he looks good. Uh, it looks so confident, man. Yeah, he nearly he, had fifty I, yards of rushing in this one too. It's just like that's the thing, man. Ian Book looks like he gives no fucks. Like, just <laughs> I'm gonna do what I know I'm really good at. Fuck y'all. Yeah, and I tell you what, uh, the receivers came to play as well because there was some serious fighting for the football and every single play. Y- you could tell they came to to win every single battle and it was drilled into their head every ball is going to be a physical battle you better go out there to win it uh, to yep. the point to where book throws one a little bit short jump ballish to claypool very early in the game and he damn near comes up with a circus catch after yanking the ball out of a stamp the Stanford defender thought he had a pick and yeah. he yanks it out of his hands and damn near catches it on a rebound after that yep. no man they, they played physical they played lights out it was an incredible performance across the yeah, incredible performance across the board. Even the special teams look great. And speaking of Chase Claypool. Woo-hoo-hoo, man, those special team tackles. He's good for at least one a game, right? Yeah, it's it's you expect it now. And it's yeah. always open field, incredible diving wrap-up tackle. And, and the, the best part about it is, like, this is your number two wide receiver right now. And you can yeah. tell he takes so much pride in fucking up people 
on special teams. Like, yeah. he, he just he loves he loves screwing up a punt return. It's it's awesome. I love seeing that. It's and that whole kind of smart right for the ankles. Like he never fucks around and tries to get him high. Yeah, I mean, exactly what you expect from your big physical wide receiver to be out here making open field tackles at the ankles all the time. And he's just, you don't expect him to miss at this point. And that's absolutely crazy. Um, You know, we didn't kick anything out of bounds. That was good. Newsom had, you know, some fantastic punting as well. It's, it is so great to see the Irish just absolutely in every single phase of the game play about as perfect as they possibly can. Yeah, man. It was awesome. And it was awesome, and I'm, and I'm going to ride the high all fucking week. Seven straight Saturdays from here to next week. No, I, that's what we're hoping for because, I mean, let's be honest, folks. You know, we, we are saying, you know, Blacksburg's going to be a big game. Virginia Tech is not going to be any slouch, or at least shouldn't be. They're not as fearsome as they were before. But the biggest thing is, is that afterwards, the schedule, I mean, yeah, the travel's a little rough, but if you're – it looks like everybody's making plans to get it in order to try to make it as good as possible to take a couple extra days, make sure everybody gets settled in. So you should be able to pull it off. Quite frankly. I mean, I, I believe so as well. Yeah, that, that was absolutely crazy to, to see like, as the schedule comes out, it's like pick out the losses. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, when you can really say that it's like, okay, you know, again, Virginia tech is the only one I could circle right now and saying that one's probably a problem. And then, Syracuse will be weird. Yeah, and it's like Syracuse, Syracuse is weird. another weird one because you're not at home. It's a weird November travel there, and they're going to be looking to they they've already shown they can almost play upset spoiler already once this season against yeah. Clemson. So you know, but I mean, everything else you're like, okay, should It'll be able to handle on business. What USC has become by the end of the year, um, Florida State. I'm not that worried about. Uh, Pitt Navy, looks yeah. like a garbage fire and a half. Pitt. But it's fucking pit. You know, it's not going to be. It's not, it's not going to be bad weird, but it's going to be like uncomfortable for like a quarter and a half somewhere in there. Yeah, I'm. I'm not <laughs> feeling that. With the way this team's playing at home right now, I'm just no. Now, maybe yeah, if we I had mean, one, I'm, I'm more so it. saying it uh, as a you know, like it's more of a historical damage thing. It's <laughs> not really. It's not a belief system. It's more so a, a, a adapting to my previous experience. Yeah, and, and Milfi, if you saw SC playing against Arizona no, they, the other night, they, they are not going to straighten out. If anything, Helton, could, I would put better odds on Helton getting his ass fired before they straighten out. And I mean, this, this season. <laughs> yeah. Um, now, one more thing we have to talk about was Brian Kelly mm-hmm. pulling the power move yeah. of saying, I'm going to drink out of, out of that trophy when we yeah. win it. Pouring he in, pour, he pour, pulled the thing up like he had just entered the Mead Hall to announce that they have just raided another kingdom and expanded their land. I am consuming the blood of my enemies. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we shall all drink and be merry. You, if you, <laughs> it, it, he, he, I mean, I would do this honestly. Like, I feel like we should all get replica chalices now, just then bring them all to tailgates, and it become a tradition. That every Stanford game, somebody has to chug the chalice. <laughs> uh, but yeah, uh, and the the great part about that is uh, about that little maneuver was as soon as he did that, Notre Dame had possession of all rivalry trophies, all six, which is absolutely insane. Because I was even well, thinking about it's like it's like wait, did they have that in 2012? But I'm pretty sure the answer is no, because I don't think they had they had a stupid loss to BC and they hadn't had a chance to replay them or something. I'm almost positive on that. It's been a while. Yeah, I didn't realize it, but you know, I also, I, I mean, admittedly, I don't give, I don't keep track of the fucking trophies. Like, I just, I, I, whenever they win them, I'm like, oh yeah, no shit, fuck, I forgot about that. Yeah, I remember it, it was one of those things. Uh, I learned about rivalry trophies via the magic of NCAA. So when I was a manager, I actually got assigned to the Stanford game uh, in Weiss's first season. So I actually asked because I was like, I haven't seen this thing around anywhere. I was assigned to our locker room, so I knew what was in every single trunk. Like, there's no trophy. So I said, does this thing exist or is it just something that kind of like nobody cares about and gets mailed around? And the exact yeah. words from the people working at that time is like, yeah, we didn't bring it. We don't plan on needing to mail it. <laughs> Yeah, dealing with that at all. Yeah, my how things have changed. So I mean, I love that because BK. It's one of those things to where he is. You see, he's found a way to connect with his team on a different level than he has before, 
everybody was pumped for that. They're all joking around with him when he says he's going to drink out of the chalice. He's in there, no, Gatorade, Gatorade, <laughs> calm yeah, down. Gatorade. I'm sitting here, I'm Gatorade. like, did you throw something in that Gatorade, VK? Because like, I- that was Kool-Aid and tequila. We know it. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah, I mean, they're they're... You know, they're, they're playing for him. They're playing hard for him. Everybody's bought in. Everybody is, you know, saying the right things. And I know a lot of that is a lot of coaching on that end, too. And you only put certain people in front of microphones for a certain reason. But this, I feel like, Shane, is this moment of where we're here right now is what we've been waiting to see out of the BKR for nine years. Because here's the guy in Cincinnati that was just freaking plug and play every single quarterback. And I'm just going to yeah. make this shit work. My teams find a way to win. They find a way to win convincingly. It's like he's finally fucking figured it out because, yeah. you know, they had to rebuild some talent for sure, especially on the in the trenches. And now look at where you are. And it's it's absolutely crazy to see that right now. Absolutely crazy to think the churn, the recruiting is still churning. It's, you know, yeah. again, we know we're recruiting illiterate, but we know how to read rankings just like everybody else. That's very yeah. simple to follow. And ND is still at the top and it's not lessening right now. No, it, it took long going anywhere, man. Yeah, it took longer than it should have. Uh, I'll I, take it. I, I will be there. So it, it's going to be interesting that if somewhere years down the road, we take a look and say, you know what? Four and eight was the best thing that could have ever happened to this program. Probably. Yeah. And, Probably. Which is weird, which is unbelievably weird. I said it back about. when it happened and it was good. It was good that that shit was happening in them because now they're able to get their fucking shit together and try to actually write the ship and not be complacent and continue to basically be an eight and five team. And boom, here we go. Yeah. And it wasn't, you know, the, the mistakes that were happening of, of BK's hiring outside of his comfort zone, you know, yeah. the, the move of sticking with Clark Lee, who was completely unproven. It's like, no, I liked what Elko brought here. Lee is going to bring the same thing. I tell you what, tell me you're noticing a difference right now between Elko and Lee. Because if your answer is um, yes, the only reason yes. you're saying yes is because you think it's better. Yes, that was exactly <laughs> what I was say. The only reason I say I, I do because Clark Lee's defense is better. <laughs> yeah, and uh, I mean, tell you what, secondary play alone. So, yeah, which is interesting because I follow a lot of Aggie fans, obviously. That is the one thing they're pointing out now. It's like, man, I love how the line is playing, but what's going on with the secondary? And which boggles my mind because that's Elko's position to coach is the safety. Yeah. So the fuck's Maybe going on there? Delegator. I don't know. I don't know if he's a great delegator, but um, yeah, it, it, it's great to, to see all this happening right now. We're obviously very excited uh, to keep going down the road. And also, I am glad that the NCAA sim was dead fucking wrong on this one. Yeah. 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 That was a bad option. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, I think, Shane, that's going to wrap it up for us. Are you ready to to get on, uh, hear the inner Sandman playing and watch Notre Dame wreck the fa- dreams of a lot of Hokies? <laughs> yes i am <laughs> all right well folks that is going to do it for us thanks to everybody that joined us live here on twitch.tv slash royal sons we will be back wednesday 9 30 p.m central 10 30 p.m eastern for the picks and then the following night same time the ncaa sim slash preview you can subscribe to our podcast over on apple Podcasts or wherever find your podcast feeds at you, of course, can always find us at our home over at HerLoyalSons.com. Until next time, y'all, go Irish beat Hokies. Let's ride this. Have a good one. Yeah.